Hi there. Since you're already on your phone or your computer or tablet, I have a favor to ask. If you love listening to Goop Tales and you haven't done so yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is visit gooptales.com forward slash review, and you're going to be redirected to our show's page on Apple Podcasts. And it's only going to take a couple seconds, and it's going to help other goopies just like you find our stories. That's gooptales.com forward slash review. One star means you hate us, wah, wah, wah. but five stars mean you love us. Oh, and since you're already there, press that subscribe button. It's the best way to ensure you're never going to miss an episode. In the last episode of Goop Tales, we met Afredo, who's a really sweet little goop boy who's afraid of just about everything. And after he got swept away by swirling icy air, he landed in the Amazon rainforest in Ecuador. Unfortunately, the Devil's Cauldron, which is a very large waterfall, was determined to trap Afredo and nearly did just that after Afredo got swept into the Pastaza River. Luckily, he met Loki, a friendly alpaca, who was there to help him face his fears as he stared down the devil of Devil's Cauldron and returned back to Goop World, where he couldn't wait to tell his friend Sarcasta all about his adventure. But she was nowhere to be found because she was stuck in the belly of a whale. Keep listening to find out how in the world she got there. Sarcasta was such an inquisitive tot, she never had a problem learning what she ought. Her knowledge of so many things could rival that of kings. But oh, she had a tongue that could bite and could give a tender-hearted listener quite a fright. Welcome to Goop Tales. My name is Maria Calancini, and I'm the founder and creator of Goop Tales. I started writing these stories as a way to inspire conversations, spark imaginations, teach new ideas about the world around us, and make the listeners, that's you kids, laugh so hard that, I don't know, something comes out of your nose, maybe apple juice. If you have a curious mind and want to discover new cultures and learn interesting facts about different countries and fascinating animals, you are in the right place. All of our stories are inspired by you, the listener, and today's story is no different. Mikal, or Michael, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly because sometimes I don't, you came up with the name for Sarcasta and you wrote... Sarcasta is a goop who is always sarcastic towards others, so no one can tell if she is speaking nicely or being sarcastic. McCall, Michael, if you're listening, check out the drawing we did for Sarcasta. We did our best to give life to your imagination. I hope you don't mind, but we took a few creative liberties with your idea. And Sarcasta goes to the belly of a whale. And she loves to carry around a dictionary. 
So to see all the photos that go with the story, as well as the cover for Sarcasta in the Belly of a Whale, visit gooptales.com episode 80. That's eight zero. If you've already sent a goop idea for a story, have written a review, or simply sent us an email, listen until the end to see if you received a shout out. Before we visit Goop World, I have one really exciting announcement to make. Starting today, we're going to launch a new series called Behind the Story. Because I take inspiration from real countries and cultures around the world. The goops are imaginatively accurate. That is exactly why we've decided to put together this short educational listening companion to the regular goop tales. The first Behind the Story episode is going to launch in three days, and it's going to be tied into today's story, Sarcasta in the Belly of a Whale. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified as soon as it launches. Chapter One Once upon a time, there was a very curious and smart little goop girl named Sarcasta. She had an amazing memory and was quite knowledgeable of many things. She loved to carry around a small dictionary to confirm spelling and definitions of words in the case that anyone ever challenged her. No one ever did because they knew she was so clever. Sarcasta was often called on in Miss Wigglebutt's class due to her wealth of knowledge. Class, does anyone know an ingredient needed to make dynamite? Miss Wigglebutt called out one day. Everyone in the class started murmuring and looking around. Um, I think dynamite is dynamite, said Punchum <laughs> with a laugh. Well, peanuts are most certainly needed to make dynamite, said Sarcasta. Well done, Sarcasta, responded Miss Wigglebutt. Um, I'm not finished, said Sarcasta. Really? Uh, go on, said a slightly miffed Miss Wigglebutt. Well, it is interesting to note that the Nobel Peace Prize is named for Alfred Nobel. And he just happens to be the inventor of dynamite, said Sarcasta, with a slight tinge of smugness. Thank you, Sarcasta. That is very interesting, said Miss Wigglebutt. These were the kinds of exchanges that Sarcasta often had. The other goops loved to call upon her when it was time to get help with homework or when they needed an odd piece of trivia. Once, Sarcasta was playing goop trivia with Obenati, Dowanu, Excitabel, Goblik, and Heichu. You have to be on my team! insisted Obenati. Which goop was chased by an angry oboe? asked Excitabel in a delighted voice. Um, I'm trying to remember. Ah, that story sounds familiar, but I'm not sure, sighed Dowanu. Obeynadi stared at Sarcasta. I know you know, so just tell her, he said. 
course, it seems like no one else can remember. It was Messalina. Perhaps the oboe was trying to clean her up, <laughs> chuckled Sarcasta. <laughs> I knew you would know, bellowed Obey Naughty, as he jotted down another point for his team. In these types of situations, Sarcasta was most helpful. But in other situations, she could be quite sarcastic and drive a wedge between her and the rest of the goops. Once, Sarcasta was walking with Muddyfoot, and he hopped in a puddle and splashed mud all over her feet. That's perfect, Muddyfoot. I needed some brown mud to go with the rest of my outfit, she snapped. Muddyfoot immediately felt bad, especially because he thought jumping in puddles was the best thing ever. One balmy summer day, Sarcasta made plans to meet Madam and Mad Adam at the beach. She loved the Mad Twins because they were always mad about something. And this made Sarcasta laugh. <laughs> Come on, Mads. Are you really mad? Don't you think you could get just a little bit madder? She would tease them when they got upset. Then she would burst out laughing when they really did get angry and ask them not to get so upset. She met the twins on a dazzling white sandy beach. Why, bonjour, madame, and monsieur, mad Adam, said Sarcasta with a little French accent. Sarcasta loved a play on words. Hello, said Madam. Oh, hi, said Mad Adam. Look at this spectacular beach. I think a sandcastle is called for, said Sarcasta. Perfect, cried the twins in unison. So the three of them set about making a spectacular sandcastle with long pointed turrets, strong walls, and a huge moat. When they were just about finished, Madam glanced around and announced, This is the best sandcastle on the beach. Indeed it is, concurred Mad Adam. Just then, a beach ball flew into the middle of the sandcastle and smashed a turret. Mad Adam turned around to see Kick'em and Punch'em disappearing into the surf. Madam kicked and stomped. She was so mad. Sarcasta watched it all happen and said, It's made of sand, not stone. Just in case you didn't notice. We, we noticed, noticed, said the twins who were getting madder together. I wasn't sure you noticed, said Sarcasta saucily. The twins were quite mad now, and they both stared at her angrily. Careful! You two might explode, laughed Sarcasta. <laughs> the twins were so furious at this point that they couldn't speak. I'm backing off, laughed Sarcasta <laughs> as she started to move backwards down the sand towards the beach. The twins watched her, barely able to speak as she drew closer to the water behind her. And then they watched as a giant wave rose from the ocean, coming right for Sarcasta. 
They motioned and jumped up and down, trying to warn her. But Sarcasta just laughed and said, You two are so mad, you have turned into jumping beans. And then the twins watched as the giant wave covered Sarcasta and she disappeared. Chapter 2 Sarcasta could feel herself being swept out to sea. Despite always having been a strong swimmer, she was no match for the force of the ocean. She tumbled underneath the wave and lost complete control. Once she realized that struggling against the wave was futile, Sarcasta gave in and let herself go. As scary as it was, it was also a little thrilling. She felt like she was on an underwater roller coaster, going up and down and twisting about. Finally, the ocean threw her up to the surface and she found herself in crystal clear water, floating with many small fish swimming around her. Sarcasta looked about for the beach and for Madame and Mad Adam, but she knew she wouldn't see them. This wasn't the same ocean that had swallowed her up. It was so blue and so clear, and there were so many fish. Something was different. Land was very far off in the distance. Where am I? Sarcasta murmured to herself. The Gulf of Thailand? responded a watery voice near her. Oh, said Sarcasta, who found herself at a loss for words for perhaps the first time ever. Firstly, she had no idea where the Gulf of Thailand was. Secondly, it was most definitely not the answer she expected. And thirdly, she couldn't see who was attached to the voice. She spun around in the water and saw nothing but groups of foamy bubbles. Found us. We'll disappear soon, said the voice. Us? Disappear? Can't you just reveal yourselves already? Asked Sarcasta, who was quickly growing impatient. We're right here. We are hiding, said the voice. Sarcasta looked around and once again saw nothing but bubbles. Yes, I see you plain as day, she said sarcastically. You do? asked the voice. No, of course not, because you are invisible, snapped Sarcasta. Where does sea foam? laughed the voice. Sea foam? exclaimed Sarcasta incredulously. Yep, we tend to disappear and reappear. In fact, you could smash right through us with your arm. And we'll probably just pop up on the other side of you, laughed the sea foam. This was most definitely another first for Sarcasta. She was speaking with sea foam in the Gulf of Thailand. Let me get this a whirl, said Sarcasta, as she raised her arm in the air and sliced it right through the sea foam. Sure enough, it split up and disappeared. A moment later, she heard a little giggle. Over her. It's us. It's still us. Just in another form, said the sea foam. 
Sarcasta went from being annoyed and bewildered to delighted and playful. She began to chase the seafoam, split it up, and watch it resurface in another shape. They were playing seafoam tag. This is the best, laughed Sarcasta in delight. After playing tag for a bit, Sarcasta began to get confused. Everywhere she looked, she saw seafoam. And a huge, giant ring of seafoam was forming close to her. It was much bigger than the seafoam she had been playing with, and its circumference was growing wider and wider. What is that? She laughed, <laughs> talking to her new friend. Her seafoam friend seemed to pause for a moment, almost as if it was thinking. That can only be one thing, said the seafoam with apprehension. And what might that be? Asked Sarcasta. Well, when you say that ring of seafoam around here, it means, um, well, okay, uh, I'm just, I'm just gonna say it. Say it, snapped Sarcasta. A whale, a whale is coming to feed, said the seafoam. What? shrieked Sarcasta. I don't see a whale. What are you talking about? Here's coming. We've seen this many times before, responded the seafoam. He's coming? wailed Sarcasta. Yes, he is, said the seafoam. Then it went on to explain that because there was so much pollution in the Gulf of Thailand, the water was hypoxic, meaning that all the oxygen was used up and it was only at the surface. This meant that the fish the whale liked to eat could only live at the surface of the water. So in order for the whales to feed, they had to come right below the surface and tread water and then open their enormous mouths with the corners right under the water. By treading water and keeping the corners of their mouths underwater, the whales created a huge flow that pulled the nearby fish into the whale's enormous mouth. Sarcasta listened with growing alarm. Then she tried to calm herself down by saying, A whale that treads water, really? In her sarcastic voice. And then it happened. She was pulled by the flow and right into the belly of the whale. Chapter three. The flow of water was tremendous and its force was overpowering. Sarcasta was churned about with hundreds of fish, swirled around, and then she disappeared into a dark hole. Everything happened so quickly that she was too stunned to be scared. It wasn't until the swirling stopped and the darkness began to disappear that she realized what had happened. Oh my gosh, she whispered to herself upon realizing that indeed she had been swallowed by a whale and was now floating around inside its belly. This was most definitely unchartered territory. Sarcasta looked in one direction 
and saw a long, dark, cavernous tunnel. And in the other direction, she saw a white, open space that seemed a bit more welcoming. She immediately opted to head towards the white space. Gingerly, she walked forward, catching her balance along the way and holding onto the inner walls of the whale in order not to tumble. The whale was moving through the water and Sarcasta could feel it all like a warbly roller coaster. Once she got to the entry of the white space, she gasped. It was an enormous open space created by the whale's rib cage. It was a white cave that went on and on with a watery bottom. Sarcasta stepped into it and called out, Hello! Hello. Her voice echoed back at her, and then there was silence. Hello? Anyone else here? She called again. Still, there was nothing. Sarcasta was quite brave, so she found herself to be more fascinated than scared. I'm in the belly of a whale. This is, this is truly unbelievable. And it will make for a whale of a tail if I ever get out of here, she said aloud. Get out? Is there a way out alive? She heard a little voice ask. Sarcasta was stunned and a little relieved to hear someone else. Looking down, she saw a small silvery fish swimming around her feet. The fish looked up at her with pleading eyes. Oh, don't look like that. I'm not going to eat you. You've already been eaten, quipped Sarcasta. I know. We've both been eaten. We're inside of Crunch, said the fish. Crunch? Crunch? Crunch, crunch, responded Sarcasta in a saucy tone. It's not funny. His name is Crunch for a reason, said the fish. And what is your name? Mine is Sarcasta. No one had ever bothered to ask the little fish his name. So for just a moment, he was so pleased that he forgot he was inside of Crunch. Wren! My name is Wren, he replied. Well, Wren, I'm glad we're in this together. I mean, it's nice to have company for however long we're here said Sarcasta. So, so you know a way out? Asked Wren hopefully. Sarcasta pondered this for a moment. She really didn't know a way out, but she wasn't going to let that stop her. Her fate would not be sealed by the belly of a whale. As a matter of fact, no, I do not, but I will find one. I will not perish in Crunch's belly, she said forcefully. Just listening to Sarcasta's words made Wren feel better. Maybe we could make a plan together? Asked Wren. We could indeed. Well, there is only one way out. And that's the way we came in, right? Through Crunch's enormous mouth, said Sarcasta. Wren sighed in despair. <sighs> he didn't like what he was hearing. Why the sigh? Asked Sarcasta. Because whales pull things in through their mouth with great force. And they go all the way down to their stomach, never to be seen again. How are we supposed to get Crunch to suddenly do the reverse and spit us out? He asked. 
Oh, that is a very good point. I need to think about that for a minute. Sarcasta silently looked around the inside of Crunch's colossal ribcage and started to think. Wren stayed silent and watched her. He didn't want to disturb her thought process. Looking down the dark tunnel that led to Crunch's mouth, Sarcasta remembered her recent journey and the force that pulled her in. And then she thought there was no way she could go back down that dark tunnel and expect to escape out his mouth. The force would be against her. She frowned. She was stumped. Wren looked up at her in desperation. He was counting on her. At that exact moment, Crunch let out a long, wailing groan. A groan that was so long and loud that it reverberated throughout his entire whale body and knocked Sarcasta off her feet. What was that? asked Sarcasta, who felt a little less brave. Before Wren could answer, there was another huge rumble. Only this time, it was bigger and louder and closer. Sarcasta looked up to see a massive dark boulder moving in their direction. Chapter four. The boulder was enormous and awkward and clumpy. The closer it got, the stranger it looked. It kept rumbling towards Wren and Sarcasta. We have to get out of here, called out Wren. Why ever would we have to get out of here? Snapped back Sarcasta with every ounce of sarcasm she had. Then she desperately looked around. It was clear they couldn't move forward towards the rolling boulder. The only choice was to move towards Crunch's mouth. Sarcasta and Wren started to move in that direction until they heard another moan from Crunch and got close enough to his mouth to see a glimpse of his big, gleaming teeth. We can't, said Sarcasta. He will snap us in two. She looked backwards to see the giant ball closing in on them. It was going to overtake them and crush them in seconds. Then, without warning, Crunch made a huge downwards facing dive and the boulder that was in his stomach moved even faster. And just when Sarcasta was sure she would be smashed, the boulder stopped. It seemed to hang in midair, suspended in Crunch's stomach. Sarcasta and Wren clung to the side of his stomach in order not to tumble and they stared at each other in disbelief. Neither one knew what was happening. Ever so slowly, Crunch evened himself out again, and the downwards motion stopped. But the huge boulder remained where it was. There was now an eerie calm. A minute ago, 
Sarcasta was sure her time was up. And now she was staring at a giant weird ball in Crunch's stomach. What? What is it? She quietly asked Wren. It's the litter ball, whispered Wren. The what? said Sarcasta. The litter ball. It's a ball of ocean litter that Crunch has swallowed over time. I've heard of it. That must be why he was moaning. I can't imagine the stomachache that must cause him, said Wren. For the third time that day, Sarcasta was speechless. She had most certainly never heard of a litter ball and never of one stuck in a whale's stomach. Ever so slowly, she inched her way towards the litter ball to get a closer look. It was ginormous. She could see pieces of rope, plastic bottles, fishing nets, and an assortment of plastic garbage that formed the litter ball. This is horrible. He needs to get that out. No wonder he has a stomachache, said Sarcasta. Then she looked up and saw the ropes and fishing nets from the litter ball were caught on Crunch's rib cage. He had been trying to get rid of the litter ball, but he couldn't. Sarcasta almost shed a tear because the whole thing made her so sad. But then she told herself there was no time for tears. Wren, we have to help him, she said. But how? asked Wren. I have an idea. Sarcasta went on to explain her plan. She said that the next time Crunch went up to feed and opened his giant jaws, they were going to make sure that the litter ball was unhooked from his rib cage and could fly out of his mouth. And they were going to hang on for the ride out. Crunch always went down before he went up and opened his mouth at the top of the ocean. Next time he moved downwards, they would make sure all the ropes were unhooked. And then the litter ball would be in his mouth instead of his rib cage, and he could spit it out. Crunch moved with such fast force that the litter ball would be right there at his mouth, ready to fly out. No sooner had Sarcasta finished explaining her plan, then they felt Crunch start to rumble. He was getting ready to feed. Go now, bite at every rope as quickly as you can, squealed Sarcasta. Wren zoomed to one side of the litter ball and began to bite away at the tangled ropes caught on Crunch's rib cage. Sarcasta went to the other side and untied and unhooked every rope she saw. They both worked at a furious pace, knowing they had no time to lose. Minutes later, Crunch took a deep dive downwards and the litter ball fell forward straight towards his mouth. Grab it and hang on tight, screamed Sarcasta. Wren bit onto one of the ropes and closed his eyes. A moment later, they were shooting upwards as Crunched opened his jaws and the litter ball propelled outward into the ocean. Wren fell off of it, back into his ocean home. And Sarcasta flew through the air until she landed back on the beach at Goop World. That 
What just happened? She said to herself as she looked around. It, it really happened. Then she set off to find the twins, Madam and Mad Adam, and start her bragging. She had earned some serious bragging rights, freeing Crunch from the litter ball. But the twins were nowhere to be found. They were aboard the Gan train crossing Darwin. But that is a tale for another time. If you have a goop idea that you would like to share with me, ask a grown-up for help to send it over. So there's multiple ways to do this, but my preferred way is to receive story ideas through voice messages. And that way you can just say them because I love hearing your sweet voices. So to send in a voice message, visit gooptales.com. And on the right side of the screen, you're going to notice a green button that reads, leave a 90 second voice message for Maria. That's me. If you send in a voice message, not only will you get a response from me, yep, I try to respond to most of them, if not all of them, but also if we end up choosing your goop for a story, we might even play your voice message on the podcast. How would you like to hear your voice in the next episode? If you're curious to see the cover drawing for this story and the photos that go with it, visit gooptales.com forward slash episode 80, that's eight zero. Now I know there's a mini artist inside of you. If you're feeling creative, draw a picture of Sarcasta and ask a grown-up to tag us in it on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Gooptales. For writing in or sending a voice message, I want to thank Elia, Eleanor, Relja, Emma, Amelia, Madalena, and Amelia, Max, and Zach. And if I didn't mention your name, it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate what you sent in. We get so many sent in, and sometimes I mention your name in a different episode. The next episode that's going to come out next week is part of our new series called Behind the Story. While writing this story about Sarcasta in the belly of the whale, I just collected so many interesting facts and I read about whales and what they ingest and what's in the ocean. And so I learned a lot about plastic pollution in the ocean and whale biology and sea foam and the seas around Thailand. And I want to share them with you. I will see you in Behind the Story on the very first episode.